Praise the Lord, everybody. So thankful to the Lord to have this opportunity to speak with you on this Sunday morning, to share with you what God has given me. I'm excited about uh, what's going on in the kingdom, the things that are yet to come. I'm excited about the return of at least our fellowship back to fellowshipping together uh, here in the house. We're looking forward to that, and we're just so thankful to the Lord for His grace and His mercy. Uh, for all the uh, ladies out there, happy Valentine's Day. Um, pray for First Lady. She unfortunately married uh, a man that uh, doesn't really celebrate Valentine's Day in the sense that on this specific day, um, I do something special. I do what I feel is a lot better. For us, every day is Valentine's Day, and she knows, and I make sure that she knows, and I tell her uh, every day just how much she is now and will always be my Valentine. Honey, know that I love you, and thank God for you, and uh, for all the rest of the men out there, uh, if you're listening and you forgot and you have a practice of celebrating this particular day, then uh, I encourage you run out quick, fast, and in a hurry and try to find something to make the day better. Amen. Uh, but we thank the Lord again for the love uh, that God has blessed us with, whether it's um, a husband, a boyfriend, a wife, uh, or a girlfriend. We just thank the Lord for them and uh, the ability to love uh, even um, to be able to receive love. So we just thank the Lord for that. And we're just excited again about what God is doing and this opportunity to address you. We've spent a lot of time talking about, over the last few weeks, talking about the, um, the way to understand or the aspect of understanding uh, your identity, who you are, and how uh, understanding who you are uh, ties you in or taps you into an enormous amount of potential, uh, potential beyond your capacity to even begin in the earthing condition to understand. We spent a lot of time talking about that, getting you to open your mind and to open your heart to what God is saying about you. This isn't some type of theology that man came up with. This is uh, what the Lord himself has declared about you. It's what he has identified you as and beginning to see life, even yourself, through his lens, through what he sees and what he says about you is paramount to uh, being able to live a joyous, peaceful, and prosperous life uh, while we are yet here on the earth. Um, this also leads me uh, in, in developing this idea of, your under, uh, of an understanding of who you are, your identity in Christ, it, it leads me down a road um, to identify things that uh, we do on a daily basis. And I'm talking about um, not just those outside the body of Christ, but those in the body of Christ, things that we do that are, are really more connected to our humanity then they are connected to our identity. So we, uh, our identity in Christ, it's, they're connected to our identity, um, to our humanity rather than our identity to Christ. And one of those things that uh, I wanted to touch on today uh, was impatience. Hallelujah. So we're going we're gonna to veer just a little bit from talking specifically about our identity. And I want to talk to you about um, impatience, the impatience um, that we display on a daily basis. One of the things I, I often um, tease my wife about is, you know, she'll expect something uh, on her computer. She'll, you know, do something on the computer and, you know, the computer's processing or it's trying to open a program or, you know, for whatever reason, it's not responding quickly. It's not, you know, she expects that when she takes her finger off the key, that whatever it is she's trying to accomplish, boom, it's done. And I always tell her she has to be patient with technology. She has to be patient. It has to do things that she can't see. It's processing information that she can't see. 
and sometimes there are delays in the processing of that information in the computer system that we have based upon the, the, the level of you know, technology that you possess or what it is you're requesting that it does. It's not going to be instantaneous. We, we live in this instantaneous society where we want what we want and we want it right now. I think that we all can, um, you know, kind of uh, understand that. We can all agree that for many of us, not everybody, but for many of us, we want what we want, and what we want, we want right now. I don't want to wait. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I open book. I've had that issue myself where I've wanted things and. Um, I've put myself in bad situations because I was impatient and my impatience led me to make decisions that were outside the proper timing to be able to possess some of the things that I've desired. Amen. So we just want to talk about that. Again, I've always said I'm an open book and I'm not saying that uh, what I'm saying is devoid of me. This affects everybody. Impatience uh, really affects everybody. Now, not all of us deal with it the same way but it does affect everybody, both in the body and out of the body. And I want to use as an example and kind of talk about, uh, work through what happened and how impatience had its play and how when we understand who we are in Christ, how we can live a life filled with patience without the idea or the thinking or the emotional state of being that I'm not getting uh, my desire fulfilled or I'm not getting what I want when I want it or how I want it. Uh, I'm, we're going to talk about this, break this down. I want to use for an example today uh, out of the book of Genesis, the 16th chapter, the first through the 16th verse. I, we typically don't read this many uh, passages, but for, for today's sake, I ask that you bear with me as I work through this. And I, I won't labor your, uh, or um, you know, worry your patience, as they say, we'll get through this and I'll give you what I can give you in a reasonable amount of time and then I'll get out of the way for you to enjoy this Valentine's Day. But there's one thing that I would say the best thing you can do on Valentine's Day to celebrate your love with your loved one is to share it in the presence of God. And I believe that we are in the presence of God right now. So you're in the right place with the right person doing the right thing to be a benefit and a blessing to your relationship. Genesis 16, 1 through 16. Uh, and we're going to be coming from the, the topic today, uh, why is it taking so long? question that many of us have asked. Uh, the Bible declares in Genesis, again, 16, 1 through 16, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go, into, or go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt heartily with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain uh, in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself unto, under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael. 
because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also there looked, uh, or have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Berelihorai. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered, and Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Now this passage that I read covers the birth of the uh, Arab nation. The very, the very beginning of the Arabs as a people, their root and their origin. And as I've stated in the past, Islam is connected to Ishmael, who is the son of Abraham, through Hagar, and, and they are then the seed of Abraham. But more importantly, this passage of Scripture reveals something that we all have issues with, and this is what I want to focus on today. It's this real powerful word, called impatience. It teaches us a great deal about the emotional restlessness of impatience that grips the hearts and the souls of many of us. So what is impatience? Well, the first thing to understand is that it is an emotion. Impatience is an emotion. And one of the things that I constantly tell people is God gave us emotions to engage life, not to be controlled by. Our emotions are not supposed to know where they given to us to control us, but simply to engage all that life is and be able to understand it and enjoy it in a uh, more full manner. But as an emotion, impatience uh, leads to us getting tired of waiting. It leads us to getting fed up with anything that causes delays in the plans that we have or in receiving what we ha have been promised. It arouses us, unfortunately, to act or even in cases react before we should because what we are reacting to or uh, devising a plan to is based upon incomplete knowledge and our desire to have what we want when we want it. And when do we want it? We want it right now. Waiting and delay are really the key words that we need to focus on. We just get tired of waiting. We get tired of the delay. We want to move from waiting to action. And too often we do. And when we do this, we call all kinds of problems for ourselves and even for others that are connected to us. And unfortunately for many of us, the things that we create, create unnecessary pain and catastrophic problems in our lives. Things that could simply be avoided. We feel as if that we, uh, you know, kind of need to help the plan along. We need to just give it a little bit of a kick in the butt to get it moving. And this is what happened to Abram and Sarah. They became impatient in waiting for the promised seed, which was the son that God promised Abram. And their impatience was so engrossing that they just felt they could wait no longer. And if they waited any longer, they would miss the promise or the promise would somehow go unfulfilled. And they didn't want to do what they should have done, which was wait on the Lord and be of good courage and allow him to strengthen their hearts. But they did what we do. They began to rationalize in an undisciplined mind that they were caught away and it, because of their impatient stance, they begin to question the very promise itself. And it's the question that really burns us. It's the question that really pushes us to take some type of action. And it's the same question that we ask ourselves 
about the promises of God. We read the Bible and we see so many promises of God that have been uh, given unto his uh, children and then we uh, try to match up his promises with our lives. And then we see where maybe we have not enjoyed some of those promises and we want to enjoy those promises and quite frankly we get tired of waiting for those promises. But we begin to ask the question. Because we're tired of waiting, because we're impatient, we begin to ask the question. Well, what are the questions? One of the first things that come into our mind is, is if it is not happening on its own, could God be waiting for us to do something? You know, doesn't God help those who help themselves? How many of you heard that? And if we do this, then won't God do that? If we initiate, won't God follow through? Doesn't God expect us to do our part before he does his part? Isn't that faith that we do our part in expectation that God is going to do his part? These are the types of questions that come into our mind and what we don't realize is these questions are not born out of our spiritual identity in Christ. They're born out of our identity with our humanity, which is self. Self-reliance and in actuality, a belief that God will not do what he promised. This is not the same as faith without works. These are two totally different things. I've often heard people that were impatient about something occurring in their life that they were stepping out in faith because faith without works is dead. So they applied their impatience to their works to fulfill what only God can fulfill. First thing you have to understand is, is that when God promises you something, when God promises you, something, promises you something, in most cases, in most cases, 99, 44, and 100% of the cases, only God can get that promise to get, to get accomplished. You, no matter what you do, you will not be able to fulfill that promise that God made for you. But this is the kind of reasoning that often leads us to act before we should. And then the consequences are too often terrible and very painful. You see, impatience can cause us to fail in our behavior, fail in our planning, and fail in our programs, all because we did not wait upon God. Wait in God's timing. Wait in God's will wait in God's way. This is what happened to Abram and Sarai. Impatience. You ought, to, you ought to write that word down. Impatience. I want to examine the causes of impatience in this instance. You see, Sarai illustrated uh, several of the major factors that cause us to become so impatient. I just want to touch on these as, as best I can before uh, uh, I take my leave today. The first thing I want you to think about, the first thing I want you to, to, if you're taking notes, write this down because this is one of the very first things that will uh, lead you down the path of impatience, and that is having an unfulfilled desire. An unfulfilled desire. You see, as we analyze Sarah, we find that she wants a child. She wants one desperately. And in those days... A woman's ability to bear children, especially a son, was almost a necessity if they wanted to remain in good standing with their husbands and in even some cases remain married. In the eyes of the people, children were a sign of God's blessing. But as much as they are a sign of God's blessing in man's eyes, being childless was also a sign of dishonor and reproach and almost 
you're being punished because you're, there's something wrong with you or you've done something to offend God that you don't have a child. Psalms 127 and 3 says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So they connect that to if you don't have fruit coming from your womb, then you must have dishonored the Lord. Now, if you look and, and, and analyze the text, you'll find that Sarah was uh, 75 years old at this point, and she's childless. And due to the culture that they lived in, she felt a lot of shame and remorse and dishonor because the women of that day would feel this way if they were barren. And throughout her own life, she had always been eager to bear a son for Abram. But her desire to bear a son had not been fulfilled. So the feeling of being unfulfilled will lead you to a state of desperation. You ought to write that down. The feeling of being unfulfilled will lead you to a state of desperation. You see, Sarah was childless, and now in uh, you know, older age, she was desperate and becoming more and more impatient at the fact that she was getting beyond her child-producing years. In fact, her patience was running out and impatience was gaining control of her heart. And because her heart was getting under the control of impatience, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, not just words, but in actions. Impatience then begins to develop after its own idea. Impatience is born of the flesh, not of the spirit. It's born of your identity with your humanity, not your identity with Christ. It's the inclination of the flesh to fulfill its desires by any means necessary. So the point that I'm trying to make is this. An unfulfilled desire can cause impatience. It can cause us to act before we should act, and in that process, ignore God's will and God's timing. You see, impatience can provoke us to move long before we should move, to devise plans and programs which are not sanctioned by God, who was the originator of the promise in the first place to plot and to scheme to bring about the promise in our timing and not God's timing, to act and to react according to wisdom and knowledge that is absent of his infallible and endless knowledge and born out of that which is extremely limited. Impatience can cause us to try to fill our desires ourselves instead of waiting upon God. And this is what exactly happened to Sarah. And it's often what happens to us. Unfulfilled desires can lead you down a path of impatient behavior, impatient thinking, impatient planning. unfulfilled desires. Trying to do it our way to satisfy what we want when we want it rather than waiting on God. The second thing, you ought to write this one down. Impatience will lead you to mistaken thinking. Impatience will lead you to mistaken thinking. Thoughts, ideas, theologies that are born from misinformation rather than the things that are born of God. Why was Sarah barren? Why was she unable to bear a child? Was it because God had closed her womb? 
Could God have closed her womb permanently? Well, Sarah began to think this way. She began to question God's promise, to question if the promise that was made even included her. Was she part of this promise that God makes to Abram? Abram tells, or God tells Abram, he's going to have a son. Now, he didn't specifically in that promise say how things are going to develop. He didn't open up, you know, the complete A to Z instruction manual that detailed exactly how long it was going to take and what steps were going to need to be taken and, you know, how the moon needed to be lined up with the stars and all, you know, he, he didn't do any of that stuff. He made a statement about the promise of them having a son. So what do we do? We begin to try to analyze in our own limited fashion the infinite wisdom and knowledge of God. And this will lead you to begin to question, in this case, Sarah is questioning whether she's even connected to the promise. She feels that she had been left out of the promise that was given by God, as, as if the promise didn't cover her situation, as though it had no effect on her life. And this is the same type of thinking which plagues the church today. Maybe I'm not part of the promise. Maybe I'm out of step with the promise. And we've asked ourselves these very same things and even declared it to others. And this is born out of a lack of understanding of the connection between married people as intended by God. One of the things that I tell married couples all the time is once they have come together and decided to be married, as the Bible declares, they become one flesh. If they want to enjoy what it is to be one, they cannot live as two. They cannot... um, detach themselves from what God has determined as is the blessing of holy union. They should, they should strive in every form and fashion to be one, even as the Bible declares. And uh, oftentimes, I find in, in uh, marriages that I've counseled that a lot of the problems that exist, exist, because they are not living as one. They're living as two. Two separate, identified people with, with separate lives. A lot of the things in their life are separate. It's a mine and hers from everything. They have their own bank accounts. And you know, everything's divided. These are my bills. These are your bills. These are the things that lead to separatist thinking. Not to oneness. Coming together. But I'm, I'm, I don't want to get off on marriages today. But we have to understand that if a promise is given to one person in the union, God is not separating you from the other one in any manner. Because it's the desire of God that you are one with each other, and because you're one with each other, you're one with Him. So this deals with the zeal of God to be intimate with His creation, and part of the reason why we were created so different than everything else in creation. Now watch what Sarah does, which many of us do. She tells Abram that it was the Lord who has kept her from bearing a child. A lot of emotion is being wrapped up in this statement of Sarah. Years of pent-up emotion. She's expressing, really in truth, disappointment in God and somewhat blaming God for making her barren. She's expressing remorse, regret, sorrow, and a broken heart to her husband, feeling that she failed him miserably as a wife. She had just been unable to give him what he desired, which was a son. But she couldn't help it. 
She has tried. She's prayed. She's prayed. She's fasted. She's done everything that she could, that she knows to, to do, but to no avail. God just keeps her womb closed. Now, this is mistaken thinking. The promise of God did not cover and include her. This is mistaken thinking. The promise of God somehow does not include or cover you. It may be true that God had closed her womb temporarily, but not because she was not part of the promise that he has made. It was because the time had not yet come for that promise to be fulfilled. It was not yet time for God to give the promised seed to Abram and Sarah. You see, God's timetable was not Sarah's timetable. How often have we said that to each other? Or in conversations as we're dealing with our impatience, you know, uttered the words or, or even allowed our minds to just meditate upon the fact that why is God's timing not my timing but God's timing is always on time but I want it right now in my time and it seems like my time is never his time so how can he always be right on time when he ain't matching my time think about that put that together in your head I can't even say that a second time but the point that I'm trying to make is Sarah's mistaken the promise does apply to her. But because she was thinking incorrectly, she was thinking connected to who she is in her humanity, in her carnal nature, not thinking along the lines of her redemption and who she is in the power of Christ. Her impatience leads her to, a, to plot and to scheme, to uh, devise a plan that would ultimately have catastrophic results and cause unbearable pain and problems, not just for them, but for all of humanity, and it's still occurring today. We can see this in the unending conflict that exists between many of the Jews and the Arabs of the world down through the centuries, still occurring today, and now not just between Jews and Arabs, but multiple religious affiliations. You see, this mistaken thinking leads to impatience, and impatience often leads to wrong action. We face some problem or some crisis and we wonder why God is not, you know, getting on the ball and helping us or giving us the answer right now. You know, microwaving our answer. We, we may even begin to question if the promises of, God's, of God applies to us, if the promises are even true for us today. And these, these types of thoughts and these, this process of thinking are really mistaken because God's promise to help us in every crisis and every problem of life, even to the most minute problem, is for us. God even knows when a single hair falls to the ground from your head. And this is supposedly the smallest care that, you know, we have. No problem is too small for God's concern. God's concern about us. His desire is to help us through all the trials and the temptations of this life. But we must never believe that we are somehow disconnected from the promises of God when we begin to see our life through our identity in Christ. It is our identity in Christ that solidifies the promise of God being made manifest in our life. We cannot allow ourselves to become impatient and then act on our own running ahead of God. You see, God knows when to act. God knows exactly what is necessary to get us out of our dilemma. He knows when to fulfill the promise that he has given over our lives. And if we understand who we are in Christ, 
We have to trust God and wait upon him for his help, his guidance, and his direction. Luke 12, 6 and 7 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. Hebrews tells us in 13, 5 through 6, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I've got so many other uh, scriptural points that I'd love to make, but for time I'm just going to cut across the carpet, as they say. But it's important that we understand because I am in Christ, because I am now what he is, then every promise of God is for me. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen. Yes, you're going to get it. Amen, it is finished. It is done. It shall be. And when I begin to think that way, think in my identity of Christ connected to the fulfillment of the promise of God, not things that are going to happen, but in fact, because God is, I am, the promise is there for me. It's not being devised, it's not being worked up, it's already done. In my natural life, in this span of life called time, a lifespan, time, I'm going to be able to enjoy what God has declared or spoken over my life. But in truth, it has already been released into me because I'm connected to who he is right now. And for God, there is no past. There is no future. There's only right now. So when God declares a thing, it already is. So what God has spoken has already occurred. And because it's occurred, in fact, I'm running towards the very thing that has already taken place. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added. I'm chasing after things that are trying to chase after me. You've heard me say this before, and then wondering why I can never catch it. If I would chase after who I am in God, the things of the kingdom, I will find that everything that's connected to the kingdom will fall into my hands because they've already been determined to be by God. Third, try to get this one to you as best I can. I may not be able to get through this one today, but impatience will not only be born out of unfulfilled desire, impatience will not only lead you to mistaken thinking, impatience will lead you to carnal suggestion. That is action or behavior that is born from your carnality, your identity connected to your carnal nature rather than your identity connected to Christ. There was a custom in Abram's day that stated this. If a man's wife could not bear him a son, he could take her maid as a second wife and have a son through her. This was a custom that was devised by man, not a practice instituted by God. God's will and word has always stated one wife for one husband. This is referred to as monogamy. Not more than one wife, which is polygamy. But polygamy 
was the common practice in this time period of the writing. And the interesting thing here is that the suggestion of Sarah, not of Abram, was made. Abram does not come to Sarah to uh, express his desire to fulfill this custom to satisfy his desire to have the son that was promised to him, but it was Sarah leaning on this custom of man, not of God, to be able to provide the son that God must be speaking about. You see, Sarah must have believed that the promise of God, that Abram was to bear the promised seed, was not connected to her. But she had the mistaken thought, not understanding the fullness of what oneness in God is, that what's spoken over one is over both the parts that make up the whole. But she believed she wasn't covered by it because she was unable to bear the seed. So she comes up with the idea to fulfill the promise by following the custom of the day rather than the will of God. So she lets Abram take her maid, Hagar, as a second wife and bear a son through her. In other words, she decided to follow man's plan and not God's plan. Now, I want to point out several factors about this idea uh, of Sarah. First, the motive behind what she was doing was commendable. Well, why would I say it was commendable? Well, it's commendable because she desperately wanted Abram to bear the promised seed. So it's not the motive that was the problem. The problem was the method. Her method was wrong because it was a worldly, carnal method devised and practiced by unbelievers. And we as the children of God must make sure our motives are holy just as well as our methods. If your method is, def is defiled, it will defile the motive. If either one is corrupt, then the result or the fruit of that thing becomes defiled. We have to discipline ourselves never to mix man's way with God's way. How often have we done that? Mixing man's way with God's way. We do this quite often, unfortunately, and many times we don't even realize we're doing it, but we are. Something else I want to point, point to concerning this. She had the right motive, just the wrong method. A right motive does not make a wrong method right. Secondly, she's making a very painful sacrifice for her husband. How so? Well, she's sharing her husband's love and body with another woman in order to give him a son. But her sacrifice is stirred by a carnal practice. And because of this, her sacrifice is for nothing. It's an unnecessary, unbeneficial, painful sacrifice that was made for nothing. In fact, her sacrifice did nothing except cause more pain and more suffering. You see, Sarah's idea was to follow a practice of the world, not the word of God, not the promise of God. Her idea was to follow a carnal plan, a plan that was practiced by those who lived for the world and the fulfilling of their flesh, not the God, not the word of God. The impatience led to carnal methods. And it's important to see 
that Abram listened to Sarah and did what she suggested instead of doing what he should have done, and that was wait on the promise of God to manifest without scheming. This is yet another declaration in Scripture of how man failed to do or to be what he was supposed to do or be in the moment that could have stopped so much drama. You see, you think back to the garden, what happened to Eve was because Adam wasn't on his job. Fast forward to Abram and Sarah, what happens here is a result of, again, Abram not being on his job. She convinces him that this could be the very way God intended for him to bear the promised seed. And this was not the first time we have seen this in Scripture. As I said, Eve has already demonstrated this to Adam. She does the same thing. Neither of these men stood in the authority that God gave them, but they cowered after the flesh and fulfilled the desires of the flesh rather than God's desire. You see, a worldly and carnal suggestion will lead to impatient practice. We'll go ahead and act before we should. We'll adopt some worldly or carnal method devised by unbelievers instead of waiting upon the plan of God. We'll ignore the lead of God and follow the customs and practices of the world. Now, there's something else vital that I really want to share with you connected to impatience. I just don't have the time to do it today. I've given you a lot of information this morning and I don't want you to lose it for sake of giving you too much. Next week we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about how impatience this uh, leads to that there are terrible consequences that are connected to impatience. Impatience doesn't just make you do things or make you feel things or make you think things. They often will lead to consequences that are exactly opposite of what your expectation is you'll end up not getting the very thing you're trying to speed things up to get and get something you wish you never had. Get something you wish you could give back. And I think that if we look at our own lives, many of us will say to ourselves how true that is for many of us even right now. We're dealing with the consequences of our own impatience, stepping outside the plan or the promise of God for our lives, and as a result, we have lifelong consequences connected with doing it our way. And we've robbed ourselves, in many cases, of the very promise of God itself in its fulfillment to give us the peace or the, the, uh, the fulfilled desire that we're looking for because now we've introduced an element that was never intended by God to be in existence. So we don't get to even in cases where we end up getting, and you'll see that Abram and Sarah, they end up getting the promised seed the way God intended, but now that seed is connected to an unintended consequence of man acting outside the will of God. And now all mankind is dealing with and will continue to deal with this until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you right now who have re you know, finally received some of the promises of God You've connected them to your own impatience and you're dealing with, yes, I do have the promise of God, but I've attached so much cost to it. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a little bit more depth next week. But you have to understand, people of God, 
when you begin to see life through the lens of Christ, when you begin to see life in all that life is, through your identity connected with God, it will open up to you the ability to live a impatient less life. But be even as Paul declared, content no matter what condition you might be in. Because you know what God has spoken over your life shall come to pass. God bless you. Please enjoy your day. Treat your loved one extra special if you don't do that every day already. I can't treat mine any better today than I treat her every day. And I believe that she would be a witness and testify that that is true. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I don't need a special day to tell her I love her. So again, as I opened, I closed today by telling my wife the love of my life. I love you, Steph. You are always my Valentine. And I thank God that I am one with you. God bless you, everybody. Enjoy your day.